Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm excited to have Jim Allen here with me. He's with the Jim Allen Group, the founder. Jim, welcome to the program. Hi. Great, great to talk to you, Jamaro. Jim, one of the things uh, I really wanted to kind of take a look at is you started in real estate and then the financial crisis, uh, you know, when Jimmy Carter was around, I remember one of our neighbors didn't take the one-year loan to like everyone else, he decided it's going to get worse. And he took like a 30 year at 21% and just lost his home out of it. What I want to take you back to is as this recession hit you, what were your thoughts? You were new in the industry and then we'll talk about how you got out of it. So what was happening when all of a sudden everything crashed? Well, when when the first one happened, uh, interest rates because of oil had just gotten completely out of hand. And as interest rates continued to escalate, um, buyers just weren't able to qualify. You had to figure out different loan programs. So for someone like me, especially brand new to the business at the time, no clue what I was doing. Um, I didn't know that I didn't, that mortgage brokers were the ones that handled mortgages. I, I took it upon myself to really become a lending expert. When I would take a client of mine to a lender, I never would have thought of letting them go by themselves because they may come back and not want to purchase anymore because once they hurt, it could potentially scare them to death. Um, so, you know, the, the simple solution and it, and what you do and how, how I've followed the platform for my entire career. Once you find out what a problem is or what's causing it, then you become an expert in that individual portion of it. And, and it just assists you every time it happens. I mean, you know, as much as starting out in the middle of a recession was a bad thing, um, the truth is it armed me with the ability to fight off the next one in the next uh, decade and the next one in the next decade. Because every 10 years we run into some kind of stumbling block. Right. Um, it's just a matter of which one is which. What's kind of interesting, a couple of things that I kind of picked up from what you were talking about. Uh, one of the things that people that are successful do is when a problem comes up, they lean into it. And like you said, you wanted to learn everything about it. Whereas most people either ignore it or run away from it. And a mark of a leader is, hey, let's lean into it, figure out what's going on. So A, kudos for that. And two... It's really interesting. Before we started recording, you were talking about, you know, it's those recessions and the problem areas that really slingshot your business forward when you come out of it, if you've got the right mindset. That's right. I mean, you know, an example for me, uh, I had a, a pretty steady volume of and, and back in 2007 before the 08 banking crisis hit. I had a, you know, about 120 million a year is what I was closing, you know, pretty decent average, just kind of. Yeah, very good. Well, when 08 came, obviously, you know, everybody else had to kind of figure out what direction to go in and, and they kind of went in little cocoons or they pulled their heads way back because they didn't want to get exposed or get hurt. Well, 
I saw that as a growth opportunity and I went around to all the local banks um, who at the time didn't want to loan money out to builders or to do anything else. And I had been saving my money for some time. And so I started bargaining with the banks on behalf of my clients. And I said, listen, guys, um, if I put X amount of my own personal money here, what will you loan out? Well, at first it was like almost dollar for dollar the first year because they really didn't even want to take on new construction loans. They were like terrified. And then it got to be two to one and then five to one. And then, you know, it's not quite back up to the 10 to one that it was pre-recession in, in 08, but it's pretty daggone close now. So this is pretty quite literally putting your money where your mouth was. That's right. And you know, the average real estate broker, uh, and I, I, I would quote this person, but I don't want them offended. Uh, I was sitting in a bank office in 08 and the bank was trying to decide how to save themselves. How do we keep from going out of business? And they called myself and several other leaders in our community in, and we we're sitting there. And one of the brokers sitting there said, well, Jim, I'm a broker. I make 6% if they lose 200,000 and I make 6% if they make 200,000. So I'm a broker. And I said, well, that won't help right now because you made your money on the backs of all these guys you're talking about losing money. What happens if they all go out of business? He said, well, guess what? There'll be a new group of pickup trucks right behind them, their sons or whoever. And I said, you know, not this time, because this could be generational. You know, if if a gentleman who's done it for 50 years goes out of business, do you think his child's going to become a builder? You know, and a lot right. of the builders in our marketplace were children of people who had been builders previously. And the president of that bank kind of agreed with me. They were looking for what are all your good ideas? And at the time, I, I suggested starting to do a buyback program where, you know, we could still sell our new home at full price, but we bought the other person's house to leverage into it. So at least we got our money back out of the new one. And then over time, we try to sell the resale or we keep it as a rental to get building. But, you know, it, it, there are different tools that you use and you got to have them all in your tool chest to get successful. But out of that launch, um, you know, last year we closed right at $500 million worth of business. Um, when in 08, we were lucky to do $100 million And we actually, uh, in, in 09, dropped down to $88 million in production. We launched out $500. Well, this year so far, we've got pending over $700 million this year. And uh, you know, our goal right now is we'd like to start doing a, a billion dollars in annual sales. So um, we started, uh, I've been thinking about this goal for a while, but October was really the first time I implemented it to my team and, and started showing them where I thought we need to go in order for that to occur. And, you know, last October, same time period, we did like 127 sales and 57 million in sales. Well, 57 million in sales um, only ends up getting you, hang on, I'll do numbers real quick. 700-ish? 
700-ish, which is where we are right now. So I implemented it beginning of September. So when we got back our October numbers, we just set an all-time record for our own team, both sides. I sold 175 homes in October uh, at 91 million is what we did in uh, gross volume in, in, in October. So if you take 91 million and multiply it, you get to my billion, just a little over a billion. So if we can launch forward in October, certainly it's not normally the month you think of as being uh, your best sales month. of the Right. Year. Um, but it, it's a good that that is the one. So if we start from there and traditionally October is actually uh, normally my second worst month of the year, September being my worst typically, and then October on the back end of it and then filter through the rest. But if we've got our second to worst numbers there with our goal changing and, and setting it up differently with my team, then you know, I feel like we, we were looking at a three-year projection to try to get there safely, but shoot, we might get to a billion next year. Jim, one of the things that's kind of interesting is uh, a lot of people just do what they've always done. It sounds like you see the world like, you know, how do we need to solve this problem? How can we show up different? How can we do offer something different? What do you think that comes from that need to solve problems? Well, I, my background's in engineering, so I got my degree in engineering uh, when I was in college. And obviously, what an engineer is, is a problem solver. Now, not when you're trying to sell them a house. Sometimes you say, oh, Lord, they're the hardest people to sell to. But uh, on the other end, I mean, they're so used to handling people's problems and you come to them, whether the water doesn't flow properly somewhere or you're trying to figure out how to support a house. It's just a lot of different elements that engineers deal with. And so, you know, while I didn't like the physical aspects of being an engineer, the problem solving and, and putting everything in, in, a, in a solution uh, where I could figure the platform out of it, it works in real estate as well. Didn't know it would at first, but um, I didn't realize how few people really have plans. So it, it, it helps you plan for the future. And that's that I think the only way uh, to do anything is first have a plan and then steps and measures how to get to your plan and then holding yourself accountable to your uh, steps and measures. I mean, you know, if you formulate a plan, but then you do nothing to put it into action or you, you know, really don't hold yourself accountable, then you, you're never going to reach your goals. Well, once we set goals for ourselves and we put a plan in action, I don't allow us not to do our goals. I mean, you know, that's my personality type that, you know, I'm not going to accept failure from myself. And I don't impose that same on others. Um, you know, what I've learned to do as a team leader over time, you, you can't make everybody into you. You have to accept the best them they can be. But So let's talk about that, Jim, for a second. So there's probably people on your team, maybe currently or agents in the past, where you saw more promise in them than they saw in themselves. Can you tell us a story about one of those situations where you help bring out the best out of one of your uh, team members? Yeah, I mean, almost always. Um you know, like there, there's there's a stumbling block for each person. And 
what you have to do is figure out, you know, what's the what's the block they put in front of themselves. But I'll give you an example of a couple of them. Um, actually, my number one agent on my team right now um, had been a fairly successful broker uh, on their own previously. Um, you know, had for other people's standards had had gotten out there and was was doing fairly well. Um, but was capped and, and kept doing the same amount of business every single year. You know, right. that was the rookie of the year in the office they were in. And, you know, that volume they were doing as a rookie still put them in play month to month when they were competing with the other brokers in their office. And that was the problem. All right. So, so often, Brokers are competing with other people that may not have their skill set or anything else rather than making themselves the competition. So in my I, world, I've never competed you, with others. I compete with myself. And sometimes uh, that's the hardest thing to do because a lot of times our beliefs around self-worth dictate how well we do. And unless we change those beliefs, we get stuck in that same old threshold. It's, you know, some people call it the comfort zone. We also have a financial yes. comfort zone and we get yes. stuck there. And once you change those beliefs around money and self-worth, it just changes the entire world. So, so the first thing I do when I onboard people to my team First, first day into the office, I give them three things. I give them a mirror first. Nice. I give them the mirror because, and I turn it, I say, this isn't because you're beautiful and I, and I don't want you looking at your reflection too much, but I want you to remember, if you're talking to someone on the phone or doing anything else, the problems are all going to start right there, right in your hand. And yes. you don't turn the reflection back because the moment you start making excuses, the moment you start accepting something less than what the other person desires or needs, um, all of us are filled with excuses. And, you know, I can either say, wish in the mirror on the wall, give me what it will, unless you got a magic formula, that's not going to happen. So the solution is right there in it. You have to resolve the own, your own issue get out of the way of the transaction and allow it to happen. But if you're talking to someone on the phone and you get aggravated or something they're saying to you doesn't flow properly for you, pull that mirror out because I bet your facial expression is going to be reflecting what the person on the other end of that call is hearing right now and feeling the objection. And they're going to feel it right through the phone lines. If What's kind of interesting What's kind of interesting, Jim, is that uh, we don't use language accidentally. And one of the things we, uh, a phrase we have is rationalizing. And if you break that down, it's rational lies. The lies we tell ourselves are so believable that yes. we believe our own BS and we don't realize that we're creating it. That's right. So I, I, you know, one of the things I inherently tell people about myself and, and what I would like to get to this point is, I, I don't have filters. Like my mom used to warn people coming in. Oh shit! Be careful. <laughs> have filters. He is he is liable to tell you what he really thinks. Well, the world doesn't necessarily always, Umar, like hearing the truth. I mean, they'd prefer somebody to tell them their covered up lie. Well, I was never smart enough to remember the lies, so 
I tend to just get rid of that completely and go the other way. But I also, so the next thing I'll, I'll tell you, which this won't be popular with all, all your guests, but next thing I do is I give them a daily read Bible and I suggest to them, listen, I don't care if you read it cover to cover, you don't read it at all, but the format it comes in, it's got an Old Testament, New Testament, proverb and a psalm every day. If you don't read anything but the proverb, you'll start finding that the proverb you read will be the solution to the problems you ran into today. Or maybe you can put your problems back in that little problem solver and start working from there because I don't know if you've read much of Proverbs, but it's really common sense solutions to the world. Yes. And I've not read so, them, but I've heard them. Right. So anyway, that's that's the second thing I hand them. And the third is, and this teaches them this in all formats, I give them a pair of scissors. Like, okay, why would you give me scissors? Well, every time there's a string hanging off of one of my signs or balloons still hanging, or we've left trash somewhere, and I'm trying to get them to understand this everywhere. If a bird poops on one of my for sale signs that's sitting out in front of a property, you may still be able to see the number, but the person looking at the number won't see the same sign. Yes. Reflection all the way through on everything. Little things are the most important things. I can't sell something as big as a $2 million house because it's, too large to sell. What I can sell them instead is a sink faucet. I can sell a countertop. I can sell a door pull. I, I can sell the things that are sellable. No one on earth wouldn't be able to afford to pay for a cabinet pull. So I can reduce my sales equation to the, the very smallest detail of something rather than trying to sell the whole I believe in selling the details of the whole thing as you go through. And if you sell something to someone that way, it's many wins and a bunch of many wins add up to, okay, well, there's all our wins. I don't see any losses on this other side. Maybe that's a good thing for you to follow through to do. So Jim, one of my favorite quotes, uh, and I've got a million of them, but this one is from uh, Einstein. It goes something like this, you know, I don't like uh, simplicity, but simplicity on the other side of complexity is a beautiful thing. And what you've described is, you know, with those three things, the mirror to really let the authentic you show up and kind of reveal your own BS when you need to, uh, the the Bible to give you knowledge every day that you can use because you need to get better as you go. And the third thing with the scissors, which is a great metaphor for looking after the small things is is that right? It's the simplicity yeah. on the other side of complexity that allows realtors to shine. See, and, and what's wrong though, you know, like if you're trying to coach someone else or trying to help someone else gain footing, if if you today, I mean, Umar, if you joined my team and you wanted to duplicate my footprint, that damn, you'd get swallowed up in it before you got started. And unfortunately, the methodology that all big brokers use and also big companies use is they, they put this big plaque up on the, on the wall for agent of the month or annual sales of the month or yes. annual sales of the year. And now everybody, no matter where their entry point is, is aiming at this huge target. Well, over time they've realized that watered down. So now they got 
oh, well, this is for teams under two and this is for teams at three. And this is if you're an individual agent. That's just to make everybody feel okay about themselves because we've all gotten into a society uh, that rather there than there being one winner and one loser, everybody gets a, a, a trophy for participation now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what our whole society has become about. Well, it's because the, you know, we were not put into categories already. We weren't, uh, you know, we were playing baseball and instead of everybody being in the major leagues, we got the lowest level minor league team trying to compete with the world championship team from the previous year. And the only way either one of them is supposed to be successful is if they reach this one goal of winning the world series. And we know that lower team has no possibility of beating this top one, but we tell them to go ahead and try. Well, I mean, yes, you learn out of your defeats. I do not doubt that, but get, you learn just as much out of your successes as you do your defeats. You, everybody I know only preaches, oh, you learn from all the bad. You do, no question. But you also learn how to handle things better out of successes too, because it's just as important to be a good winner as it is to be a good loser. All of us have learned our whole lives how to be good losers. It's just as important when you sit on top of a, of a mountain to learn how to be there humbly, because guess what? All the people who helped you gain your footing that helped you build your business over the course of time. All those same people that you see going up, if your head gets so large, you can't get through a door, you will see them as you shrink and go back down to the bottom on the other way as well. Right. It, it'll be the same people, but we all, I, I think the, the brokerage community is starting to learn that we all need each other and that we're not really out there eating each other alive because um, while there are some people you may compete heads up for, for one little particular piece of, of business over the course of your time, if you, if you take time to recognize it, you only run into that person competing for other property, you know, maybe five or six times in a career where it's, it's heads up, you know, it's me or you, you know, unless you're the only two brokers in a little small town, that's not going to happen. But if you're in a, yep. Raleigh's not an enormous town, but you know, we're about 2 million people uh, uh, across a bunch of little mini towns around here. Um, so, you know, in comparison to other metropolitan areas in the country, it's not a big population, but we've got about 9,000 realtors in my little area we compete with. So for me to go heads up with just one, isn't going to happen every day, I mean, no. it, but not every day. And we all have different things we're good at. Um, one of the things I learned to do, and, and it's what I learned to do in the last recession, and it, and it went along with putting my money in some of these banks, I learned to get off my knees begging for listings and to create my own listings. So I do an awful lot of urban infill. I do uh, an awful lot of lot development myself where I'm taking, actually, I just, I become the purchaser. So, you know, I get a home in certain price ranges rather than waiting for the market to sell it. I go buy it 
split the lot in half and then go repackage it and sell it to someone else. I mean, it, it, what I find in order at some point you will outgrow what the best of sales approaches in the little marketplaces you work in, you'll outgrow your ability to continue to grow your business unless you find new ways to get business and or to learn to start producing it yourself. So I'm in a marketplace where my team, like say, we'll do 700 million this year. Guess what second place team in my market will do this year? 200? 118. So we're seven times bigger than second place. Well, if I'm competing with second place, what's going to happen, Mark? You're going to go down to 200, like I suggested. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to get lazy. I'm going to get lazy. I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know. Complacency. Yeah. Definitely. I only see so many of their signs. But if you, if you today, wherever you sit in your life, whatever it is you're working on, um, I guarantee you, whatever you did yesterday that did not kill you, if you worked the hardest you think yesterday you've ever worked in your life, but you didn't die, I guarantee you, if you come back today, you got 1% more. I mean, you may not be able to jump on and become a different per. I can't become Warren Buffett tomorrow, but I can become a 1% Jim Allen tomorrow than I was yesterday. And, you know, that 100% doesn't cap. So if you keep becoming 1% better every year, like next thing you know, I mean, and, and I just told you, I used to be one of those hundred millionaires. That's what our, that's still in 08 when I was at a hundred million, that was, you know, what the highest anybody was doing. Well, come forward to 2020. Now I'm at 700 million, but second place is still at a hundred million. It, I could have stayed at a hundred million had I chosen to really easily. You know how? By I could have kept all my systems the same. I could have not chosen to grow. I could have never bought a house or a property or taken any risk. I could have been that broker that makes my money going one way or makes it going the other. So in other words, if the market gets in trouble, I go out and take a class on how do you help people go through foreclosures? How do you, how do you help them do short sales? And then when it gets good again, I just sit back and catch whatever little portion of my business I can catch. Or I can take control of my own business, put the financial gains I make in any particular time over here on the sidelines to wait and and be conditioned that once things get to the bottom of the trough again, I need to go full in while everybody else is taking a break waiting to find out what to do, I strike and two or three years before everybody else gets ready, I put all my eggs back in. You know, now that's that's a, a risk taker, but you know, you you put your side a little bit on the side as your comfort and then you go back in. Jim, this was uh, such a great interview. And the one thing that I took away from this more than anything else, it's when there's a problem, lean into it. That's where you find opportunity. Jim, we need to do another uh, podcast later on. We're going to talk about how you built your team and Glad how to. you grow your people. And thanks so much for being on the program. You're, you're welcome. One thing I, I do want to say before I get off. Sure. 
the one thing all of us owe to the profession we take something out of every day think about what your contribution back can be you you made your money a certain way you took all the all the all of it out now once you get to a position of success how do you give back the reason i agreed to do this with you today is one of those things i'm not charging you for it i'm not charging the people that talk to me about it uh you know we we figure a lot of tax solution uh, anything you can think of we have something we can help you with well i offer that all up to every other broker that comes in contact with me for free because i realize only the ones that are on the top quartile are going to do anything with it. The rest of them, it'll be good for their tool shed. And one of these days, maybe they'll use some of it. They may not, but at least we improve our business because knowledge is not meant to be locked away. It's meant to be shared. Words to live by. Thank you so much, Jim. All right, buddy. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 